Welcome to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. In this episode, we talk with four college students, either from or attending school in the Bay Area. All of them are taking classes right now online. The COVID-19 pandemic has prompted the majority of schools across the country to move classes online, both K-12 and higher ed. The goal is to prevent the spread of COVID-19, especially in colleges, where students may come to the college from another community and then return to their home community for the holidays or other visits, risking the spread of viral infection. But online learning has taken its toll on many students, instructors, and families. Many students report feeling depressed, isolated, anxious, overwhelmed, detached, or unable to focus. Some students have taken a break from their studies, and others are struggling to keep up with what feels like an increased workload and decreased engagement in their classes. Joining me in this episode to talk about their experiences with online learning are college students, Sarah Glasser, a junior at Santa Clara University, majoring in sociology with a minor in ethnic studies, Aisha Glenn, a San Francisco resident who's now a junior at McGill University in Canada, majoring in labor relations with a double minor in sociology and health geography, Emma Malloy, currently studying communications at Santa Rosa Junior College, but considering changing her major to journalism. She's currently a staff writer for the SRJC Oakleaf newspaper. And Nick Vitas, majoring in journalism and political science at Santa Rosa JC, and currently editor-in-chief of the Oakleaf. This is part one of our conversation. You can hear part two next week. has it been like to engage in school in the context that we're currently engaging in? And you can also talk a little bit about what your school is doing. Go for it, Sarah. I think in the beginning, it was really frustrating just because no one had any idea of what the quarter or semester was going to look like. But then once fall started, we kind of had an idea of what it was going to look like based off of the quarter or semester before. Um, So then I got into a rhythm and now it's been fine. But in the beginning, it was really confusing and just kind of hectic. Emma, how about you? What's your experience been like? It's kind of been a roller coaster. I think that the school has been handling it pretty well. Um, I think students are, we're all kind of in this together. So that's helpful. But it has been definitely a shift, definitely a change from before. Nick, how about you? It's definitely been challenging. I mean, um, I learn better when I'm with other people and I'm in a classroom environment I feel like I can't learn in my room like this is where I'm supposed to be like at my most comfortable not where I'm supposed to be learning so it's really hard to disassociate my room from a classroom now it's it's um it's definitely been rough the college president Dr. Chong has done a lot to help us I think and I think it's really good that he um, is making online classing until the end of spring 2021. However, I'm not a very good online learner, so it's a really big curve. Yeah, and you're not alone. And there are studies to show that our sleeping space should be our sleeping space. And when we make it other things, that can be really problematic. So you bring up a really excellent point. Aisha, what's your experience been like? Um, now, you're in Canada. So I'm curious about, first of all, your experience, but also how uh, McGill is approaching this. Similar to what Nick just said, I'm also really not a good online learner. I think it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. So my, obviously, my last semester before the summer also ended online. 
Um, and McGill was pretty late on that because Canada was a lot less affected early on. But in May, the administration decided that um, our first semester was going to be online. And they just decided a few weeks ago that the spring is going to be online as well. Um, and since McGill is so big, it was a pretty like easy decision. And I think it's good they made it so early since so many students live all around the world. And it's really hard for people to come back, especially if they don't know in advance flights and everything. And it was really hard for me to decide to come back, actually. Um, and I'm going home a lot earlier than I was going to and Canada has recently been spiking a lot but in terms of what McGill has been doing they haven't really been doing anything because no one lives on campus at McGill so it's a pretty separate experience right now honestly and no one no case transmission is happening on campus because no one goes to campus so they haven't been super involved in that um, but it's definitely still been a shift and they they try to keep involved, even though they're not doing anything as the administration. And you bring up a point that I want to kind of dive into is the idea of building community, uh, because, of course, you want to be with the people that you're going to school with. And we meet people in classes and we meet people in dorms and, and we meet people, uh, you know, on campus. And so I'm wondering, what's it been like? How has your school or your instructors tried to build community? Has anything worked or not? I think it's been not only a curve for us students but for the, the the teachers as as well and it's not just college it's you know it's high school middle school I mean my brother for example he's just across the hallway here he's he's struggling really hard to like make that connection with his teacher and for me too I'm having a very hard time trying to actually like how would I put it just yeah just connect with people you know I I I thrive off of other you know other people's energy and that helps me learn because I you know I'm talking with people I'm bouncing ideas off of each other. If I want to bounce an idea off someone, I have to now get on a Zoom call and like prepare it all ahead of time. And it's it's different. It's not definitely not the same. I think the connection between the student and the teacher is much different, and it's not as strong as what it would be if it was in person. Yeah. And I'd say as an instructor, I feel that too. Like I do my best to have one-on-ones and to meet people, but, but that, that in-person sense of, Oh, that person in the class, I want to make sure I connect with that person or, Oh, I see body language. That's going to help me, you know, respond a certain way. I don't necessarily get that or I'm not able to use that kind of perception in this space. Um, so trying to figure out other ways to make sure people, uh, are connected with and get what they need is, is you're right. It's absolutely a challenge. Um, anybody else about um, instructors or the school trying to build community or not, what's working or not, what you'd like to see? Sarah? I just want to say, I think clubs and different extracurriculars have done, at least in my school, a very good job of transitioning onto Zoom. I'm part of a few different organizations on campus and they've all created really easy to follow along schedules where it's like, like we have a meeting this week and another meeting this next week. And even though it's not the same, they've worked hard to adjust. Um, and I think that's a big thing, just making sure that everyone's communicating with each other to find a schedule that works for everyone. And it's it's not as fun and it's not as easy to meet new people online. But I think that the effort that everyone's putting in has made it a lot easier to transition. Also, I recently transferred to Santa Clara too. So I'm still in the making friends process. And I used to be able to just walk into the sociology department, which is super small. There's like five professors and just talk to my advisor and get to know her. And now I don't really have that opportunity, which has been kind of challenging because I want to get to know my advisor and meet other sociology students, but I've only been able to do that through mutual friends now. So 
I'll just text a friend and say, hey, we have a sociology uh, test coming up. Do you know any other friends that we can create a Zoom chat for? And last night I actually had a midterm um, and I connected with two other girls, one who I didn't really know. And we all like studied beforehand. And that was nice to have people um, that I hadn't met before, but you always have to have a mutual friend or else it's kind of hard to meet new people in your major. Yeah, that spontaneity is definitely gone. And you make a good point. Finding a club or uh, some connective tissue on campus can be can be helpful to mitigate this, even though it's not exactly the same. Um, Emma? It's much more difficult to reach out to professors right now. Some students that I've been talking to just feel less like like they have less of a space for that, you know, like we're not in the classroom in the same way. And the video calls, you know, it's just kind of hard for everyone to be able to like speak and reach out to their professors when they need help. This one girl in one of my classes, like she, she's been texting me for help and like, we'll both be confused. And she's like, I feel like I can't reach out to my professor because it's, it's just, it's so different. Like you have to set up a meeting and it's, yeah. I mean, they do have office hours and that is helpful, but it's kind of different, you know, and like there's other people from other classes that are here and this computer screen and it's it's just such a different world now. Yeah, it really is. And it's um, the one thing we can say is that we're all experiencing this together, that it's not like I could go somewhere else and get a different experience in most senses. But figuring it out, now we have this 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 challenge and this opportunity to figure it out. And that is something important to consider. I appreciate that. Uh, Aisha, would you like to... Similar to what uh, Sarah said, is yeah, the kind of club engagement I thought would be a lot lower this year. And I thought people would be a lot less willing or just kind of less able and less inspired, I guess, to join clubs and be in student orgs and things like that. But the opposite has definitely been happening at McGill. I think really because people are stuck at home, we're in pretty like strict lockdown right now here. We're going in the opposite direction of the Bay Area. And people definitely are spending a lot of time at home. I think that means that they have more time to get involved in things, which I think is cool. But in terms of professors, one thing that I've been noticing a lot is there's this really steep learning curve with technology. I know like a lot of my professors just like have a lot of trouble with Zoom and things like that, which makes sense because most people haven't really had to use it before. And, you know, they have all these classes to do and all these things to grade. It's like no one really takes into account the idea that you have to learn all of that. Whereas I think like for our generation, I know for me personally, I used Zoom in a like high school class like five years ago or something. But yeah, it definitely makes things a little more challenging and people don't really reach out as much. And like my professor just emailed me about his office hours doesn't work. I, like, I don't know. I think it makes people a lot more hesitant to engage with the academic side. That's a really good point. The, the technology and the curve. And I'm noticing that too. Like I, I have taught classes remotely. I think, Emma, you took one of my classes remotely. And certainly I have a learning curve, but it's a little bit smaller than, than some of my colleagues who know how to teach in front of you, but this new this new tech. And that is, it's an added burden for all of us. So you're all doing, it's a challenge. You're, you're slogging through it. What would you, what do you really want? Um, and I'm going to start with, for, from your instructor, what do you wish you could get from instructors that you're not getting? And certainly I understand that we're all in this together. Everybody's doing their best, but what, 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 what would you like to see that you think would help you in your learning process or in your engagement with campus? Sarah? Just more flexibility with the screen on, screen off. Um, I remember at the beginning of this when Corona became, first became a thing and everyone was really overwhelmed by it. An article came out uh, by this professor at Stanford, Jeremy Balenson, 
And he talked about the stress that staring at a screen puts on students. And I just remember reading that and thinking, I definitely feel that I go to bed either with a headache or just feeling like my eyes are going to close on me. Um, I think staring at a screen, I understand that the professor wants us to be engaged. And as a professor, I can't imagine how hard it is to not have students be paying attention. But I wish that professors were more understanding of the reasons that I have my screen off. And personally, I know I'm someone who gets distracted very easily. But when I'm able to take a class on my phone and put it in my pocket, if my professor is just lecturing um, and just go on a walk with it, I'm able to stay more focused. Um, I think everyone has a very different learning style. And when professors are able to recognize that and accommodate to that, um, it's very helpful. And I know that's kind of a big request to have my professor be okay with me going on a walking class and having my screen off. But I just know that as someone who can't stare at a screen for that long, uh, that that would be a really nice option to have. It is important to think outside the box at this point. Zoom fatigue is real as we're all experiencing. Um, it is hard as a professor. Um, well, let's put it this way. I think we need to find the balance between policing and uh, accommodating and teaching, right? And and I think many professors, including myself, have sort of erred on the side of no policing because you're all you chose to go to college, you chose to be here. It's your your choice whether you know how you want to engage. Um, but then there's also a concern about oh no, if I if I don't have them right here in class with me, how are they? You know, are they getting the materials? And so that is a struggle. But thinking in new ways about how people are consuming content is important. Aisha, uh, what, what would you like to see from your instructors? In terms of at McGill specifically, since classes are so big and a lot of people are in really different time zones, professors have been really accommodating about that. Like people are in our 15, 16, 17, 18 hours ahead and obviously sometimes can't go to class. Um, so I think in terms of that, professors have been more accommodating than I expected. Um, but I think consistently across all my classes, I've had a lot more work than usual. And it's not just that I'm taking like harder classes. It's just that I think professors, at least mine this semester, think that everyone, I don't know, has more time or something or like the online format. I don't know what it is, but every single person I've talked to at McGill has way more work than usual and like way more assignments and papers and quizzes and tests and all, and even like more lectures a week than usual. And I think, I don't know, I know my professors are running a little crazy with that. And so I think that's definitely overwhelming because um, they're all doing it, which like if one of them is doing it, that would, I mean, it's that's what is he going to, what are you going to do about that? But when they all do it, it's kind of intense and it really stresses everyone I know out. One thing I noticed is you want to have that great classroom discussion, right? But if you're not meeting or if you're not meeting as often, then what a lot of professors do, and I've done this myself and I've tried to curtail it is you put a discussion post up right like go to canvas or go to blackboard or whatever and answer this but then it that just becomes another assignment not the freewheeling discussion you have in that classroom moment the psychology of that being oh god it's just one more thing to do is is something that I've tried to think about that's a great point yeah we need to think about how to balance the workload and include zoom and asynchronous inside the workload uh, context. So Nick, how about you? I think you really hit hit the head on this is that we're, we're, we are experiencing a Zoom fatigue and here in the North Bay, we're experiencing more than Zoom fatigue. We're experiencing crisis fatigue. We're tired. It's really hard to like, I, I think it's immensely hard to get the motivation to just even turn on this this laptop and sit here with, you know, a class when I have so many other things going on in my mind 
And I feel like when I'm actually in a classroom, like I actually have to get in my car, I drive to Santa Rosa, I sit down, I can forget about everything else and just learn. When I'm doing this, even right now, I'm thinking of like 20 other things in my mind that I have to do today. And it's, it's really, really hard. You're listening to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. We're talking with college students Nick Vitas and Emma Malloy of Santa Rosa JC, Aisha Glenn, San Francisco resident currently studying at McGill University in Canada, and Sarah Glasser at Santa Clara University. Just to kind of branch off of what, what Sarah said, too, is that I don't like having my screen on. I really don't like having my screen on at, at all. It's not, I mean, it's not that I want to hide my room or anything. It's just that I want to be able to, like, either like exercise or like take some notes or just like do, you know, just be able to listen or, you know, go out on a walk or something and like calm myself. And I'm in a, you know, I'm not in a normal learning environment anyway. I might as well do something to try and change it up. And a lot of professors, at least that I've interacted with, want to see you. They want that human connection. This is not a human connection, so I don't understand that. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, I want to talk about your first point first, the crisis fatigue. You're absolutely right. In the North Bay, in the Bay Area, in California, and the whole West Coast are fires or have been fires, massive fires, evacuations. So learning in a context where I have to be thinking about the evacuations that may be coming my way. And if it's not evacuations, there's there's lots of smoke in the air. And even I've, you know, had the, the lack of oxygen headache and that can cause fatigue in itself. And so, you know, thinking about your well-being and the stress around you or if you have a loved one, absolutely. It's not just that learning has moved it's on. It's tough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because, I mean, it's, it's not only that we're online, but also we're experiencing, you know, oh, there's a high fire warning tomorrow in Sonoma Valley. I'm, you know, am I even going to be able to have internet? Um, is there going to be a public safety power shut off of our power? Like, it, it's like you're, you're, you're trying to basically think four steps ahead just to attend one class. And I think that's ridiculous. Yes, Nick, absolutely right. So much stress. And even if you're not in Santa Rosa or the North Bay, um, Sarah is at Santa Clara University. She's experiencing the smoke. And all of us are in a context where there is a global pandemic happening. And even if we're not personally affected, the possibility of contracting the disease and potentially passing it on to a loved one um, is ever present in our minds, right? And so that low grade awareness and stress is also affecting, you know, and Nick, you said it great. It's not just that we've moved from in-person to online learning. There are global contexts that are also affecting us. And I think that's really important. Now you made another point that I want to talk about momentarily, but let me actually go to Emma and ask you if you'd like to share what you'd want to see from your instructors. Yeah. So actually to go off what Sarah and Nick said, well, I understand that it must be hard for professors not to be able to see their students. Like in one of my classes, no one turns their camera on and I feel sad for my professor because I know she wants to see her students. So I always turn it on, you know, but there's also the aspect of like, there's so many distractions going on anyways. And I just feel the same way as Nick does. Like when I go to class, you know, I'm not on my phone. I'm not distracted by what's going on around me and I can shut off the rest of the world and pay attention. And now it's like, it's so different. It's so hard to focus. It's so hard to be motivated. And I just, I just moved in with um, some family and (laughs) I'm trying to find my space. Like I'm actually using my dad's setup right now in the garage and 
it's this is nice there's no distractions but usually there's four people walking in and out of the room you know my dogs are around people are cooking and it's like it's just it's not the best learning environment like it's not what we're used to for focusing and I think most of my instructors are being like really understanding really supportive um, you know we're all in this together they're going through the same things that we are so that's been really helpful but I do agree with um, I do agree with you that it's like they're kind of piling on the work, you know, like there's just so many things to do. And I think a lot of my professors have been moving really rapidly through the material. And it's, it's, I feel like it would be nice if there was a little bit more time because of the change, you know, we're learning in a different way in a new way. And it's just, it's going really fast and it has been really difficult. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, and the idea of, you know, just the other day I had a class and I am like, kids welcome, dogs welcome. That is wonderful. Bring them on. I don't care about the noise, obviously. But one of my students was trying to respond to something and engage with the class and her dog was barking, which I don't care about. But she finally was like, I just can't think because the dog was barking and it's really hard to sort of get your bearings with that noise. So she needed to stop. And that's, of course, not ideal for her when she's trying to coalesce a thought and and engage with the class. And it's hard for you, the student and um, someone else I know, I'll try to keep this as anonymous as possible in a lower grade context. Um, one of their classmates was in class and their parents started arguing behind this this little child. And the child said to the teacher, oh no, my, my parents are arguing, what do I do? So bringing home life into the classroom can be a real, a real embarrassment, a real risk. And those things are, those things are present as well in this context. And so I appreciate you bringing it up. And, and not to mention seeing yourself all the time. You know, you can, in Zoom, you can now turn off your own, you can hide yourself. But, but in class, we're not used to like staring at ourselves all day either. And that's another added stressor or piece of our brain focused elsewhere. Emma. I have a friend who's a, it's, she's a first year teacher during this. And um, she, you know, she has second graders on Zoom. So it's totally a crazy experience. Um, so she fills me in and um, one day she was telling me one of her students was um, climbing on her bunk bed, you know, in the background and, and she was worried, you know, her student was going to fall down or something. And she's like, am I liable if something happens on Zoom? You know, it's just, I just thought that was pretty funny. Like, that's so crazy. You know, like, are you responsible for your students in this sense when they're in their own homes. Oh, yeah, that is because how, you know, what do you do? Do you have the number of the parent? Do you yell? I mean, yeah, what is that's a question that has not been resolved. I had a question from another student. It's in a different context. But um, can the professor require um, you to turn your camera on while you're taking a test? Um, it, it can, can that be a requirement? And, and the, these issues, we haven't solved these issues yet. These issues of privacy, these issues of liability, they, these are open questions that that we're all grappling with. Nick? I know at least in my classes, my professors don't care if I eat or, or I have like a sip of water or something like that. Cause you know, I have a life I'm here. It's around lunchtime right now. You know, they don't mind, but my brother who's just right there, his professors yell at them. Like you shouldn't be eating. You shouldn't be drinking. You need to be paying attention. You need to have, you always have to have your, your screen on and all that. And that's just, that's crazy. I mean, I don't know what I would do if I was put in that situation on a, on a Zoom call for learning. That just, that turns me off to wanting to learn. 
I mean, I know in person classes, there are some professors that are like, you know, don't eat in the class, but you can like have like water or like soda or something or another. And that's fine. I, I, I mean, you were the same way. I, I, I believe like you can always have water in the class, but you know, this is home. This is different. This is my, this is my space. This is my property. I pay for it and I want to eat yeah, on it. Yes. <laughs> and it's just weird that there are some professors that are like, nope, can't do that. And I'm like, can you really tell me that? Can you actually say that I can't? Yeah, that's interesting. And, and the only reason, I mean, I, I personally would be fine with food in the class. The only reason when you were in my in-person class is that there were computers around and the college said no. So I had to say no, <laughs> but, but you're right. How far can we go to require? I, I think these questions are important and also very taxing on the students. Aisha. I was thinking the other day, McGill is historically like very um, lacking. Our administration is very not involved and they don't address a lot of issues on campus and in the broader community, um, which has always been an issue. And obviously students have always been upset about it. But the one good thing about that right now is that I'm in classes no one has to turn on their on their like video like you can and sometimes when you're asking questions and there's participation elements or whatever then you're supposed to but there's definitely that element of like professors really can't control that and they know that because the school has taken a really lax and really like laid back stance that there's nothing they can do about it which is bad in some ways because it means that people who need extra support from the school like really have none and like had none before and now really have none but, you know, the, I guess, upsides, you could say, are things like that. I also think about sometimes I'm glad I'm not in high school right now, because I think I know, like, the high school I went to, like, they would care a lot about this, whereas, like, none of my professors really, like, they know they can't really do anything about it um, as much as they might want to. So, I don't know, I think it was kind of interesting coming at it from a really, like, big school with a really, like, wacky administration, and there's definitely really negative aspects of that and then some aspects that people are like a lot happier with honestly right now and that's kind of an interesting switch for me i know it sucks that all of us students are in this environment and we're all learning online but i am 110 percent for doing this rather than catching the disease the virus and spreading it to others this is i would full-heartedly do this all of next year if I had to and I'd suck it up and do it because I don't want I don't feel comfortable going back to school period if there's no vaccine or no valid uh cure or treatment and I know that us students are or us younger people are you know less susceptible to this uh to COVID but I do not want to step foot on campus until there is some type of vaccine in or valid treatment option. So I'd much rather learn on Zoom than get that. Thank you to my guests. Sarah Glasser, a junior at Santa Clara University, majoring in sociology with a minor in ethnic studies. Aisha Glenn, a San Francisco resident who's now a junior at McGill University in Canada, majoring in labor relations with a double minor in sociology and health geography. Emma Malloy, currently studying communications at Santa Rosa Junior College, but considering changing her major to journalism. She's currently a staff writer for the SRJC Oakleaf newspaper. And Nick Vitas, majoring in journalism and political science at Santa Rosa JC, and currently editor-in-chief of the Oakleaf. This was part one of our conversation. You can hear part two next week. Mm-hmm.
my panelists brought up an important point about how critical it is to care for both our physical and mental health. If you need help, need a connection, or find yourself feeling depressed, isolated, overwhelmed, anxious, detached, or unable to focus or engage, please reach out for help. Your college has mental health resources that you can take advantage of, or you can call these numbers. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK, that's 1-800-273-TALK, or suicidepreventionlifeline.org slash chat. The Substance Abuse and Mental Services Association Helpline at 800-662-HELP, or the Mental Health America Hotline by texting MHA to 741-741. You can also find more resources at psychguides.com and healthyplace.com. And I will post all of these on my website, newsincontext.net. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. In addition to hearing News in Context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and PRX. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at News in Context SF and on Instagram at News in Context. And you can find links to all of that at newsincontext.net. I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.